0: built, led and raised by you. We appreciate you for your presence. We appreciate you for your grace. Thank you for what you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says "Amen." Amen. Amen. Beautiful. So we are talking about the minister, the ministry and prayer. It is not possible for one to have a successful ministry who is not a successful, prayerful person. Meaning that success in prayer is what produces success in ministry. Of course, prayer does not work alone, but it must start in prayer. In the book of Acts, chapter 6, we read the words of the early apostles. Verse 4, Acts 6, verse 4. They said, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They said, We will give ourselves continually. So it shows us the kind of life they lived. They were a prayerful people. And they were busy about the world. They said, we'll give ourselves continually, not periodically, not when there is a challenge, not when uh, uh, we need money for rent or we need this and that. They said, we'll give ourselves continually. doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter the time. As long as we have bread in us, we'll give ourselves continually to prayer. And then... Uh, that also means continually to the ministry of the word. Not periodically, continually. You keep preaching the word of God. So they kept praying and they kept preaching. These two work together. They kept praying and they kept preaching. Now, if you keep praying but you don't preach, you don't teach, you don't share the word of God, you may not see the results you want. And if you keep Without praying, you keep sharing the word of God, of being in the word of God, without praying. You're not seeing the results you want to In Luke chapter five, you see what the word and prayer can produce in a meeting. Luke chapter five, and verse 16, Luke 5 and verse 16, Luke chapter 5 verse 16, the Bible talks talking about Jesus, and he withdrew himself, and he withdrew himself, Jesus withdrew himself to the wilderness. And prayed. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now I've seen some ministers do this and this is the only thing they do. You know, they, they go somewhere and pray for the city to be saved. And they pray and pray and pray and pray. The Bible does not say that the city will be saved through prayer. The Bible does not say if there is no one to pray, no one will get saved. Prayer is important. The Bible does not say that prayer is the power of God unto salvation. It says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Meaning that if all we do is pray and we don't share the word of God, the people will not get saved. So it's not enough that we are praying, Oh God, win these souls. You know, we can't ask God to win the souls. We are the one who are being called to win the souls. So when we are praying, we are simply praying that the word of God may have free course, free access into the hearts of people. We're praying that the word of God may prevail, that their hearts may be opened. That's what we are doing. So the power is God's word. God's word is God's power. Amen. Meaning that if they can receive the word of God, then they would have received the power of God. Because God's word is God's power to every man that believes. Alright, so we have seen Christians pray, I've been praying for my uncle to be saved. If nobody preaches to your uncle, your uncle will never get saved, even though you pray. Look at uh, the book of Romans chapter 10, Romans 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? saith, Lord, who hath believed our report, So the faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It does not come by prayer. What Paul is telling us is that except the people believe, they cannot be saved. And prayer will not make them believe. It's the gospel. Unless they hear the gospel, they will not believe. So, We have to mix the two. We have to work with the two. Prayer and the word of God. Back to the book of Luke, chapter 5. So after you are done praying, go and preach. All right? Luke, chapter 5, verse 16. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 17. Now look at verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching... That there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting there, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea in Jerusalem. What's present in Jesus' meeting? Here it tells us there were doctors of the law and Pharisees. These were critics. Most of them came not because they wanted to be blessed, but because they wanted to criticize him. They wanted to find something they could use against him. Meaning that if you are strong in prayer and strong in the word of God, it doesn't matter who attends your meeting, you will see the power of God. That's what this means. Pharisees and doctors of the law, did they come because they believed in Jesus? No. They did not come because they believed in him. And this also shows us that there is drawing power in prayer. in um, the book of Isaiah this is something that I shared with the minister's refresher class the book of Isaiah chapter from verse 1 it says arise shine for thy light is come and the glory of God is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall rise, shall arise upon thee, and his glory, his glory, his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to what? To thy light. Why are they coming? They are coming because of your light. Amen. That's something worth not Where eh? Why are they coming? They are coming because of your light. That means the more light you have, the more uh, sinners can come to you. They are coming because of your light. And kings, to the brightness of thy rising, that means they are coming because of your glory. Verse 4, lift up thine eyes round about, and see, all they gather themselves together. They come to me. Can you imagine? He said, they gather themselves together. These are people talking. We are going. Where are we going? We are going to so-and-so's meeting. He says, behold, they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Then he says, thy sons shall come from far. These are your sons. They shall come from far. They they shall come from Egypt. They shall come from Libya. They shall come from New York. behold Your sons shall come from far. Showing us that the light he's talking about is not a physical light. Because if it were a physical light, those who are from far should not be able to see it. It's a spiritual light you see it? it's a spiritual light and then somehow there is a way that they can perceive that light mm-hmm. even though they are not alive ah, together and not only are they, can they perceive the light they are drawn by it mm-hmm. they are drawn so you see this light has drawing power mm-hmm. they are drawn ah. so he says and thy daughters shall be nest at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea oh, glory. shall be converted unto thee. The forces, that means the waves of the Gentiles, shall come unto thee. Then you begin to ask, why is it coming? Why is it coming? It's coming because the glory of God is seen on you. It's coming because your light has come. It's coming because you have the answer. So he says, the wealth of sinners shall come to you. Better follow me very well. Verse 6. The multitudes of camels shall cover thee, the, uh, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of kedah shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nabal shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. I talked about all this last time. i just... Uh, helping some of our pastors to catch up. So as I flow, you know what I'm dealing with. Verse 8. Who are these? The man is seeing a vision. Who are these that fly as a cloud? And as the dogs to their wings. By the way, he's talking about people. He first told you that it's difficult for Isaiah to tell you he saw a plane. Yes. There were no planes in these days. <laughs> so he says, who are these that <laughs> fly as <laughs> <at laughs> the crowd <laughs> and as the doves <laughs> to their windows? <laughs> who are these? <laughs> Telling you they have found their resting place. That, yes, sir. Surely the isles shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish first, to bring thy sons. So it tells you that they are coming, gathering themselves together. They are coming by ship, they are coming by air, they are coming. Alright, he says to why are they coming? He says, Surely, surely, the isles shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish, first to bring thy sons from Far. Their silver and their gold with them. Unto the name of the Lord thy God, and to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glory. My God. That's it. Ah, he said, Why are they coming? you the answer because he has glorified me. That is why they are coming. They're not, they're not coming because they just like you, they're not coming because they feel like it's a nice thing to come. They should try you out. No, he says they are coming because the Lord has glorified mm-hmm. you. Amen. Amen. So, it's important that as you listen, you catch these revelations. The more glory is seen on you, Amen. the more you can draw to you. Amen. Amen. You're My dealing goal. with people, you're Amen. also dealing with finances. Amen. You hear what he's talking about. He says, the gold is coming, you know, the, 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 the silver is coming. He talks about things that are needed for worship. See, in the old testament, they needed to offer some sacrifices for worship. We in the new testament we still need to offer sacrifices for worship, but the difference is that the sacrifices we're offering are spiritual sacrifices, and, and we have to praise, we have to worship, and so you need what in a church setup, you need instruments. So it tells you they are coming with all these things now. If this is true. He should make ministry very Ah, easy. It means it's easy. Then he goes on. He says, those who are not going to be your sons, those are not going to be your daughters, those are not going to be part of the world, he says in verse 10, the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls. So they are not part, but they shall rise. They will say, let's do something. I'm not a member of your ministry, I'm not a member of your church, but I would love to give towards the building. He says, the sons of strangers, strangers, the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls and their kings, to understand it better today, their presidents, their ministers, their are, they are governors, shall minister unto thee. Yeah. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor I have I had mercy on thee. Therefore thy gates shall be opened continually. All this he's talking about because of the glory of God. Therefore thy gates shall be opened continually. They shall not be shut day nor night. Why? That men may bring unto thee the forces, the wealth of the Gentiles, Not only that, and that they are kings. Now, if the kings are brought, the people are also brought, because these are leaders over the world. So it says, and that they are kings may be brought. Now, notice what is coming. The, it is the forces of the Gentiles, the wealth of the Gentiles, and the influencers of the Gentiles, the kings of the Gentiles come. My God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh glory! Can I go? Yes, yes. Verse twelve: For the nation and kingdom that will not save thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly worsted. Yeah. The glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee. Notice, glory is following glory. Mm-hmm. The fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautify ooh, the place of my sanctuary. Amen. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. Mm-hmm. I want you to notice glory attracting glory. All right. Verse 14, the sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee. Sons of those that persecuted thee, they shall come bending unto thee. And all they, now listen to this, and all they that despised thee shall bow themselves at the soles of thy feet, and they shall call thee the city of the Lord. The Zion of the Holy One of Israel. What does Paul tell us in the book of Hebrews? You are come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. So They shall call you this. Alright? Whereas thou has been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee. I will make the eternal excellence a joy of many generations. So he, taught, he tells us that people do forsook you. People, they don't want anything to do with you. That they don't want to listen to you. They don't want to come and attend your meetings. And then God says <laughs> in the same place, so he's not even asking you to stop meeting in that place. Stop that ST. Study somewhere else. He said the same place. What you need is more glory. That's what you need. So he says, the whereas thou has been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, you know, I will make thee an eternal excellence. I will make thee an eternal not an excellency for six months. The ministry is doing well for six months. No, he says, an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations, meaning that every time people think about you they go wow you are a celebration not only for this generation but for many generations hallelujah oh glory 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 Hiya. back to verse one arise shine meaning what when you rise you shine Notice he does not say arise and shine. He says arise, shine. A lot of people have said the Bible says arise and shine. There is no and. If he had put and there, would mean you rise and then you have to do something to shine. But no, he says arise, shine, meaning that when you rise, you shine. Wow. In simple terms, wow. <laughs> your shining is in your rising. Amen. Hey, oh. Ah, Then he says, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. I want you to see something. Verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee. Now notice, in verse 1 it says, the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, and then in verse 2 it says, "The, the Lord shall arise upon thee. God making himself one with his glory. So when he says the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, he's simply saying God himself is risen upon you. Right. And his glory shall be seen upon thee. Then he tells you because of that glory, people are going to come. Amen. Money is going to come. So when you understand this as a minister, what do you begin to work on? What do you work on? You start working on getting more of that glory revealed. Yeah. That's what you work, you work on. And that's where prayer and the word of God are of great importance. So the prayer and the word of God are of great importance. Because see, Jesus told us something. Uh, 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 I think before we talk about what Jesus said, let's look at what John said about Jesus. What did John see when he saw Jesus? John chapter 1 and verse 14. John 1 verse 14. Are you, are you still here? Yes, sir. John 1 verse 14. What did he see? Have you. Doesn't it amaze you every time you read about Jesus and then he says to these people, follow me? They leave everything and follow him. And yet you, as a minister, you have said to a lot of people, come for this meeting, and uh, you are still telling them to come, they have not yet come. When I read about Jesus, of course, there are those instances when he spoke to some people, they gave excuses. And we understand why that happened. All right. But then for a lot of them, you look at John, you look at Peter, you look at Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was busy working. When Jesus found him and said, follow me, he, he found uh, John working. He was actually actually on a job. He would have given an excuse. He would have said, uh, when I knock off, uh, tell me where to find you. But no, the Bible says he left everything and followed. Peter, after catching a great catch, hmm. you see, Jesus said, follow me, I'll make of men," and, and they left and followed. So the question is, what did they see? What did they see? there is something in their soul, even though they could not understand it, but later on, when they got enlightened, they understood what they saw. Yes, John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word was made, okay, James says was made, but The word was not made, the word became. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now listen to this. And we beheld his glory. When did you see this? We beheld his glory. We saw it. We saw it. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. So you, you want to grow in that glory, is You it? See that? Oh, because that glory is full of grace. We beheld his glory. That's what they saw. That's what they saw. Now, unless you pray, they may not see that glory. And unless you spend quality time in the Word of God, they may not see that glory. So, if John says we beheld, not we saw his posters, and we saw his adverts, they did not see any of these Jesus had no posters. I'm not saying let's not do posters, let's do them. Let's not do banners, let's do them. But they must say something. The glory. We beheld his glory. And I want you to notice, John does not say I beheld his glory. John says we. Who is the way? Who is the way? All those disciples that Jesus Christ got, they said, we beheld his glory. And then they they saw that glory even more when he worked miracles among them. They saw it more. Now, uh, chapter 2, the same book of John. Look at chapter 2. John chapter 2. want us to read verse 11. And this beginning of miracles, the miracle Jesus turned water into wine, and this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory. Now, notice what happens. Notice what happened when he manifested forth his glory And his disciples believed on him. So, when the glory was revealed, it was easy for the disciples to believe on him. It was a miracle that Jesus worked. Through that miracle, he manifested his glory. So, there were all these manifestations of glory. All right? It was more than a manifestation of power. It was a manifestation of glory. Mm. Praise God now. Can we go to the book of Matthew? The book of Matthew chapter 17. In other... Mm, when you study for the same from uh, the other Gospels, they tell you that Jesus Christ took uh, Peter, James, and John and they were praying. And while he was praying, something happened. All right. Matthew does not record the prayer, but we know that it was in prayer. Is that okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 17, from verse 1. After And after six days, and after six days, praise God, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain, apart. Mm-hmm and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, dimmed. you can imagine what they were saying His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus touched them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Tell the vision to meaning that what they saw was actually a vision. And what was Jesus doing before this transfiguration? He was praying. Meaning that he granted them the ability to see what happens when we pray. He shows us that when we pray we are transfigured. When we pray, it's like what Paul says, though the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. So he says, as we pray here, the glory of God is increased in manifestation upon a man's life. You see that? So it tells them tell the vision to no man. Now, the vision was so overwhelming. Peter said, Master, grant that we stay here. (laughs) Let's be three temples. We don't want to leave. So, as a man of God, as a minister, the more you pray, especially in other times, the more you glow. I did emphasize the other day that if you want the ministry to grow, it must glow. Unless you glow, you cannot grow, unless the church glows, it cannot grow. That is why every church, every ST, every fellowship, every ministry must have a prayer, a serious prayer ministry, you see? Because it is now, it's very vital that every member joins in in prayer. You need to raise the people to be a prayerful people. You need to raise them to pray. Raise them to pray. They must be prayerful. Then you see how easy it is for God to work in your midst when the people are prayerful. Now what you see in most stages, during prayer times you find there are only two people. And then they, they only come for the word. Then they wonder why not much happens during the word. Not much happens in the service. It's because there's something missing. And that is the prayer ministry. How many of you have ever heard of Father Nash? 101. one. How many of you are heard of uh, Charles Grandson Finney? Yeah. Charles Grandson Finney would not go to any place unless Father Nash had gone ahead of him. Sadanash was a man of prayer. He would pray. Before He comes to that place, Sadanash would have prayed. He would raise people to pray. If the people are not available to pray, he would pray by himself. He would spend sometimes up to 18 hours on his knees praying. When you read about people walking into buildings and people falling of their sins, he did not have to pray there was, there was a prayer ministry that preceded the ministry of the way. A serious prayer ministry. History has it that when Father Nash died, a lot of uh, those manifestations started reducing, and Finney himself stopped moving a lot. started having his lectures and all those kind of things. Because that was a man of prayer. How many of you have ever heard of, uh, uh, what's his name, Praying Head from India? This man, one day he prayed. He said, I want one soul each day of this year. One soul each day of the year. Now, those of you who are online, um, my connection will cut in five minutes. You know what to do. You'll reconnect. Thank you. One, one, one soul per day, and he would pray, and that year, 365 souls were won, because mm. mm. he had prayed for one soul. Mm. Then wow. the following year, he said, I'm going to double it, mm. two souls per day. Mm. But it was not the prayer that was serving mm. It was that the prayer was preceding the, the ministration of the world as the ministers were going to minister, prayer had gone ahead of them. No wonder Paul would say, pray for us, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us that we should communicate the word the way we're supposed to. Pray for us. In the Old Testament, you read about the children of Israel crossing the river Jordan. There was a principle that they applied. God revealed it to them. God told Joshua that the priests should carry the Ark of the Covenant, and they should be ahead of the people. The priests were to step into the waters, and the waters were going to divide. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about the ministry of priests, but part of that ministry is a ministry of prayer. So you're simply showing us that if we're going to divide rivers, cross from this area to a greater area, an area of effectiveness. We're going to do it through prayer. See, the priests were to step in first. He did not say the prophets; he said the priests. Yes, okay, sir. Isn't that interesting? The priests were to step in first, and so that that symbolized prayer. See, every member of the church who does not pray for the church. Becomes a weak link in that church. Can I I say it again? Let me put it in a different way. Anyone who does not pray for the church becomes a danger to the church. It is easy for that person to criticize the church, it is easy for that person to find, uh, it is easy for that person to be offended in that church. He always see the wrong things because he doesn't pray for the church. He always see the wrong things. The keyboard is not right. The one leading is not doesn't know how to lead prayer. The one who's preaching doesn't know how to preach. Why is he finding faults? Because he's not praying. You know, one of the things that prayer does is that it makes you desire to see its results. For example, when you pray for the ministry, you would want to see the fruits of your prayer in the ministry. No one who prays for the ministry would love to see the ministry fail. Because that would mean that you've been praying for nothing. That would mean that you've been praying in vain. When you pray for your work, you want to see the fruit of your prayers in that work means you, you want it to succeed. You want it to prosper. You want it to move forward. And then what brings you joy? Not its downfall. It's progress. Oh, yes. That's what brings you joy. And then when you pray for people, it makes it very easy for you to love them. Oh, yes. Why? Because you are seeing something that others don't see. That something is what you are seeing when you pray. The change that you have been praying about. The change that you have been praying for. You see, if you've been praying and you've been declaring, Father, in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that brother so-and-so is full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of love for the brother. He's growing stronger by the day. He's moving from glory to glory. Even though that brother may behave as though he's going nowhere. Even though that brother may behave as though he's going nowhere. You're going to treat him like somebody who is going to fight because you believe what you have been praying for. You see that? You believe that your prayers have worked. So you will treat him, you will treat him, glory to his name, you will treat him differently. Thank you, Holy Spirit.